0: een hartelike goeiemorgen, morgen, welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelik saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en psalm 119, sê, woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te schyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan kantworstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Kom raak actief, geloos actief met 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. En so het die oorloosie na 7 minuut oor 11, hartelike warm radio kansel, goeiemorgen, valiet ons atelies Kilderpark in Pretoria. Voor die volgende uur of wat, delf ons saam met jou in die skrifte, duik ons in die skrifte en, en ondersoek ons die woord, soos wat iemand gesê het, laat ons geen steen onaangeraak om die waarheid te vind nie. Let's leave no stone Let's leave no stone unturned to find God's truth. Uh, amazing thing somebody also said that god is not confused about his words we as humans sometimes struggle with it take it out of context read more into it than what it actually is saying and uh, try and twist and turn god's word uh, to our own liking but ultimately uh, we have prayed this morning and asked lord lead us that it be your spirit that guides us and uh, give us the answers that we not be in the flesh. Good morning to you. If you've just tuned in, scriptural, scripted, like totemnete, alfie Water, Pastor Rocky, wonderful to have you on board. Pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. How are you keeping?
1: Oh, so good. Thank you, Veinhardt. Wonderful to be here. Wonderful to also have all the different listeners that are tuning in. What a joy it is. You know, we had one listener, I didn't tell you a little bit earlier when I saw you. I had a listener who rode on his bicycle on. Uh, Sunday night to join us for our Sunday evening service. Wow. It was really lovely to have Sean there on Sunday night. And so if Sean's listening, what a joy it was to spend some time with you, brother.
0: Yeah, we honor the Lord for that. Coming from wide and far afield, if you're listening this morning, can I ask you to pray for us in studio as the answers and the questions and the questions that we work with and the answers that we give, that it is God's opinion, not man's opinion. Therefore, I ask you, Humbly, my brother, my sister, would you pray for Pastor Rocky that God would guide him and lead us in this program? Die nommer as jy 'n vraag wil instuur, 026572729, 026572729, twee twee en uh, jy by welkom om jou vraag voor ons in te stuur. Ons vat nie voice notes nie, ons vat nie telefoon oproepen nie, maar stuur het vir ons dier, en as jy kan sit vir ons die skrifgedeelte dan ook by. Dit maak dit net soveel makkelijker hier in die atlea. Tijd is wees allemaal op ons uit de haar klop, uh, ons het vraag ontvang van een luisteraar, dat ek net gauw kyk of haar Marianne de Tooi, daar sê, Marianne, baie dankie ook vir jou, baie interessante vraag, wat jy direct aan Rocky dan ook gestuur het. Sy sê, ek het vraag, Um, Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, Rocky, that is a scripture that you often quote. Yes. uh, When we speak about death and this world and dying and and that sort of thing, to be absent from the body is to be present uh, with the Lord. Would Mm. you continue to read a question there for us, please?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So, uh, part of the question, actually... We need to pull up the question quickly.
0: Not a problem, um, you work on that. Uh, sy sê, as ons sterf, voor die groot oordeel, uh, the great wine th- white throne judgment, gaan ons? Die en die siel gaan nie na Godse teenwoordigheid uh, en kan nie in sy teenwoordigheid wees, uh CC daarso. Ehm um, teenwoordig bestaan n- nie so my vraag is waar is die twee groepe die skape en die bokke hmm. wyl hulle wacht op die groot oordeel. Uh soos ek hoop ek druk my goed self uit. Yeah. Marianne, ek het nou so hier en daar van jou goed geskiep wat jy gelees het. 'n redelike bonkige WhatsApp but Rocky how do we yeah. answer? Maybe you just want to translate it to. Yeah, no, wonderful. Into...
1: Um, it's it's a good question. Just looking at where do, where do these two groups wait? Yeah. And we also do know that the bodies of the righteous will rise on the day that we have the rapture. We, we see that in Thessalonians. And so that immaterial part of man, which is the soul spirit element of man, is with the Lord. And we know that the passage that she quotes in the beginning, which is one that I do quote quite a bit, is 2 Corinthians 5.8, which says, We are of good courage and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. And so actually the Christian gets to a place where they actually long to be absent from this body so that they will be present with the Lord. But there's an anticipation and there's also a hope that those saints that are with him in glory in that sense look forward to because they will have their glorified bodies. They will enjoy the marriage feast of the Lamb. So there is that waiting room element that waits for and looks forward to that Reuniting of this body, and there there will be a glorified body like the body of the Lord Jesus. And right at the end of the book of Revelation, we see that we will actually see God face to face. That will be the end reality for those that are the redeemed. Now, Paul is obviously speaking to the Christian here in Second Corinthians five eight. There is the unbeliever who will also have something of a a waiting room element, because there is the lake of fire, which is the end result. Um, for all of those that have walked in rebellion created for
0: Satan and his own exactly created yeah.
1: for Satan and his demons, yeah, and they will be thrown into that by the end at that final judgment, so there is something which is called Hegaa, which is the waiting room element of hell uh, what what we have is something of a paradise, but yeah. awaiting that further glorification and that reuniting of our of our earthly bodies. So as we look at this and as we think through this, there's a couple of passages that do come to mind and that we can think through. One of the parables that's such an excellent parable that the Lord Jesus gives to us is in Luke chapter 16, 22 to 23 where he shares a parable about a rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. Oh, Interestingly yes. enough, the rich man isn't even given a name. He loses even his name in the end. He may have wow. been famous on the earth and had all of this possession. He, in a sense, had been a man that had gained the whole world, but he forfeited his soul. And so there's much that one can draw from this illustration of the la- Lazarus and the rich man. After death, Lazarus is carried by the angels to Abraham's side. Now that was one of the ways that was spoken of in the Old Testament because you had not had Christ yet come to the yeah. earth and so there was even that type of a waiting room where all of those saints those kind of hebrews 11 those that were by faith since abel's day that had been waiting for yeah. the coming of the redeemer you think
0: that was a real story or just a parable i, I, a, I believe
1: you know, all all parables that the lord jesus teaches yeah. give us a, a kind of a, a picture of what the kingdom of god would be like yeah. but but i do believe that some of the details here are are well given by the lord jesus all you right. know and he does give that That element, I'm not sure exactly how accurate to every um, element, but it's Jesus speaking about this. And he speaks about the the chasm that is there between where the rich man is and where Lazarus is. And it's such a fascinating story to go and look at. But he speaks about this. and, And what's really fascinating about it is that the rich man in the end says, please, if you would actually send Lazarus back from the grave, and if Lazarus could go back to my brothers and my sisters, then they will believe. And Abraham says, but they've got the prophets and they don't listen to the prophets. And the reality is that Jesus, our Lord, would rise again from the grave, and yet many would still disbelieve. Jesus, it's the most historically accurate fact has risen from the grave and yet people have still rejected him as their Lord and their Savior and they still walk in darkness. So we have even more than the prophets. We have the prophets, we have a risen Savior and we have the apostles and we have the full canon of the scriptures and yet people still walk in disbelief and that's because of John three nineteen. This is the judgment. The light is coming to the world but people have loved darkness and that's what we see so much in our in our world. But what we see is there's this place of comfort and blessing for lazarus meanwhile for the rich man he descends into hades and and that's a place of torment and it's separation from god and and separation from god in the sense that separated from god's smiling face of providence because god is present everywhere we know that from psalm 139 even in hell but what is he present there with in his wrath not in his grace and in his mercy and in his kindness, but they experience the wrath of God even in this place called hell and, and separate from his kindness towards them. Revelation 20 verse 11 to 15 speaks about the final judgment. So the question asked, well, what will happen? How, how will this work out? And at the end of the age, once the rapture has happened, once the seven-year tribulation has happened on the earth and the the marriage feast of the Lamb, which we enjoy with Christ in the heavens, Uh, we return with Jesus at the end of that seven-year tribulation period, and he sets up his earthly millennial kingdom where he reigns from the throne of David, his father, and all of the promises to Israel are fulfilled, and Israel once more is grafted back in, in that sense. You know, they've been cold-hearted towards the Lord. He He has a plan for physical Israel. But right at the end of this, and there's that final rebellion of Satan with the people, of the earth from the four corners of the earth and he puts it to uh, out, and, and the the heavens pass away, the earth passes away, and a new heavens and a new earth, and we have all this happening at the end of the age. But in Revelation 20, 11 to 15, we see what happens with uh, those that are the righteous and those that are the wicked.
0: Can I make it real here? Mm. You want to say that Kilmer Park is going to go up in flames and ashes? Yeah, big time. Everything that we see around us?
1: Yeah, all of these climate um, uh, junkies that are saying <laughs> the world's going to... It's going to burn up. Yes, yeah. it's going to burn up. <laughs> <laughs> Bible says uh, it's going to come. And, uh, right. and uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, I shouldn't say it just so flippantly like yeah. that. Um, yeah. You know, th- this is serious. The the Lord Jesus is coming again soon. Yeah. For his church. Right. Um, but if we look at Revelation twenty eleven to 15, this is what, we, what it says. And, and we must take God at his word and give him that integrity and believe him at his word. He says, then I saw a great white throne and him who sits upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. Then I saw the dead, the great and the small standing be- before the throne. The books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from... F- from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds and the sea wow. gave up the dead which was in it were in it and death and hades gave up the dead which were when, were in them and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds then death. And just as a pause there, you remember when Jesus has, he gives the parable of those that are on his right and on his left at judgment. Yes. And he says to those that are on his left, get away from me. Depart from you me. You workers of lawlessness. Yeah, iniquity. Workers yes. of lawlessness. What you've wow. done is your wicked deeds. And I never knew you. you know, and to the ones on his right, he says to them, you know, come, enter in. And there's different parables that he gives, but I'm merging two of them together. He says to those that were that are sent away, he says, when I was naked, you never clothed me, when I was hungry, you never fed me, when I was in prison, you never visited me, and they say, when, Lord, when, when, when did we not see all of these things, he says, when you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't do it unto me, and to the ones, on his right, there's two surprised groups, the ones on the left are surprised, because they surprised that they didn't do what God wanted them to do. Because they the ones that also claim in Matthew 7, Lord, we did all these mighty deeds in your name. We healed the sick in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did many mighty deeds in your name. He says, get away from me, for I never knew you. And those on the right what are also sad confused. words,
0: Rocky. What, what, what a day of words.
1: gnashing of teeth. You're either going to hear wow. one of two kind of statements. Look, I think maybe... Um, Maybe you won't hear a statement if you just got in by the skin of your teeth, you know, just because you were built on that rock that is Christ who saved us. And you may suffer loss when that which you built on it. And Corinthians talks about that when you built with wood, hay, stubble, and it's burned up and you suffer loss. But you're either going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter now into your rest. And there's three elements there. Good, faithful, servant. That's a person that has denied themselves, taken up their cross, followed Jesus. You're either going to hear that or you're going to hear, get away from me, for I never oh, man, knew a you, thing. you worker of lawlessness. Wow. That is absolutely frightening. And so you have these people that are judged according to their deeds. You're not saved by good deeds. But you judged by your right. bad deeds.
0: The, the the multitudes in 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 what you've just read from mm. Revelations 20, it, 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 do we find the Christians amongst them? No. Uh, so uh, so at, that, at, that, great, just at the, that
1: great white throne room um, judgment, we, yeah. we are spared because of what Christ has said, because we have two books that are there. One book has got the names of all of those that. And and actually, it would seem even all of the deeds that they have committed um, yeah. are in this. Because then it says in verse 14 of Revelation 20, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found, written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So you have death, Hades, and the people that are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And they are thrown into into the lake of fire and that's the end of these individuals and that's an absolutely sad reality and this Rocky, is spoken w- of as the second death
0: mm, I want to I want to interrupt you forgive me my brother mm. but there are people listening to us right now that says a loving God will not create an eternal hell where people are eternally removed from him it just can't be true mm. uh, the Bible says differently doesn't it
1: no oh, big time and if we actually understand the love of God in the way that we ought to, he did not make us as robots. He has made us with the full ability and he has provided himself to all of mankind through the precious work of what the Lord Jesus has done for us at the cross. What we have, even with anybody that lands up in the lake of fire, is God actually giving people what they wanted. The fact that people have turned their back on the Lord. That's the original sin of Adam and Eve. In fact, It it boils down to a lack of trust in God and and a lack of trust in what God has given in his provision. But it also is an independence from God. Somebody saying, I want to go my own way. And that's what Adam and Eve did. And hell is that final expression of, of giving people actually what they want. They say, we don't want your grace. We don't want your mercy. We don't want any of your loving kindness. We want it our way. And they find that they're on the highway to hell.
0: Angus Buckin says, good people don't go to heaven. Believers do.
1: That's true. Some that's comments? True. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the, the road there's to... There's many you...
0: good people in this world, Rocky.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, there's there's so many good things that people do. Um, Jesus said, why do you call me good? When the teacher came to him, he said, only God is good. And there's, so that when we have... When we're looking at it from a human perspective, we, we look at good uh, very warped because we're so sinful and we're so yeah. in this world of sin. Only Jesus Christ is good, and we must have Jesus. But you're right in the sense that we have been made in the image of God. The, even a wicked father does good to his child. When yeah. his child asks him for bread, he doesn't give him a stone. When he asks for a fish, he doesn't give him a serpent. Yeah. You know, and that's a wicked dad. Um, that actually does good to their child and even loves their child. You know, and you, you have this. You have many philanthropic, th- philanthropic uh, things that people do. There's yeah. hospitals that are open. There's orphans that are looked after. There's all of this. And so what's what's true even about that statement is that the road to hell is even paved with good intentions. It's none of your good works that will save you. But you will be judged by your wicked works when you stand before God if you have not Christ. So we must have Jesus and we must have that grace that God has poured out <laughs> through Jesus. I yeah. think one of the most important realizations is it is by grace that you have been saved. Ephesians and this is 2. not of 9. your own yeah. works, but it is of his precious goodness towards yeah. us. Yeah. Um, he who knew no sin has become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So these are some of the wonderful um, mm. you know thoughts that we can have in regard to that.
0: Listening to you, and uh, I can't help but think, how did we end up in this conversation? My goodness. Yeah. And then I uh, realized, Mariana, bless your heart, what a good question uh, mm. so to speak a wachtkamer nee? die paradies, die vorige wachtkamer en dan Heidi's Sheol nee? uh, a wachtkamer, ek wil amper se a hellse wachtkamer and, and, and there ge- will be
1: a tormenting even mm. in that hell waiting room and there will be blessing even in that heavenly waiting room yeah. and there's an anticipation in both as well, yeah. there's an anticipation of future judgment for those that are in that hell waiting room yeah. and there's a future anticipation of glorification for those that are in the heaven waiting room. And it would even seem that that these people are so deceived in the hell waiting room that somehow they think that they can talk their way out of it because they get to that place of, of um, Matthew 7 where they stand before Jesus and they say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things. Yeah. So to them, it may seem they might think that they're in some purgatory, you know, yeah. like, okay, we're getting cleansed now, and this is adding to it. And what's a sad reality, eh, Venant, and I've thought about this a few times, is that the people that go to hell one day is that they don't repent. They actually just grow in anger, yeah. and they grow in hatred of God because there's a weeping and there's a gnashing of teeth, mm-hmm. and there's still that self-absorbed element. Um, Rocky,
0: as we're having this conversation, bear with me, my brother. Um, It's probably God's spirit that's steering us down this road. But as we bear, as we deal with this topic now, we can think, I can sit here and think of a million people that's in desperate need of salvation. Mm. And yet, God says, "Start with yourself." I want to take you to Second Corinthians thirteen, five, that says, "Search yourself before you look or think of anybody else. Search yourself to see if Christ is in you." Mm. If we are then blinded by our own sin, the veil over the heart, how can I search myself? How? How do, I, yeah, how do yeah. I even dare to enter the Holy of Holies and say, here I am, Lord, purge me, search me yes. to, to find Christ in me?
1: And I think what's helpful, even with what you're saying there, is the context of the local church that we are part of. And um, you you will be blinded to certain elements of your sin. That's one of the, the things which sin does to us is it blinds us. And that's why we do need brothers and sisters around us. And that's also, I mean, 2 Corinthians 5, even in the context of church discipline. And you see the way in which... A brother is brought back in to the congregation. 1 Corinthians deals with that church discipline case as well. And by 2 Corinthians 7, you've got that true repentance, what it really looks like. And 1 Corinthians as well, just really showing the biblical order of the church. In 1 Corinthians 11, where it speaks about the Lord's Supper. And again, all of this introspection is called towards as well, where we do need to search ourselves to see whether we are in the truth. And the Lord helps us in that regard with the body of believers that are around us. Because we must realize that we cannot trust ourselves. And that's why the Proverbs says it twice. There's a way that seems right in a man's eyes, but its end is destruction. We have to realize that we cannot lean on our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and uh, 6. We must not lean on our own understanding. We must trust in the Lord with yeah. all of our heart. And, and then he will make straight our paths. We must acknowledge him in all that we do. And so part of this reality is we cannot rest in ourselves. We can only rest in Christ.
0: So when we speak about other believers, brothers, sisters, does it include my wife? She's got a front row seat on my of son. Course, of She's course. got a front row seat on yes. my son.
1: Yes, that's your nearest neighbor. Um, often my fellow Elder Henny would say in men's prayer meetings and at times with our men, and he often challenges them. He says, who you are in your home is who you really are. Wow. And that's the reality. You know, oh, we, we man, mustn't kid ourselves. Broken. We mustn't kid ourselves into to think that we're more righteous than what we are at home with our wives, with our children. And, and I think that that is something that ought to humble a lot of us and oh. that we should actually be moved to a place of humility before God where we say, Lord, we desperately need your help.
0: Frightening stuff, skriftierlik, tot om met 12 ons ondersuk die van die Heere, Marian, baie dankie vir vraag, mensig, jy het ons op pad hier gehad en die Heilige Geest het met ons gewerk, If you've got a question, send it through to 082-657-2729, 82 Send it through to us and uh, we'll tackle those questions. Uh, If you're just listening to the program this morning, please pray for us and pray for Pastor Rocky here in in studio this morning. Right, we're going to go to the next question and uh, we got a question from Susan. Susan, thank you for a fantastic program. All the glory to God, Susan. Can I add that there? And then uh, Pastor, I just want to know, if we look at the book of Revelations, like this and where it is, the timeline, I would imagine she's talking about the timeline of Revelation, and where we are in the world today. Where do you think we find ourselves in the book of Revelation? Are we even in the book of Revelation, or is that still to happen yet to come, or are we there, and where do we find ourselves on that timeline? Rocky, can can we find an answer out of Scripture?
1: Yeah, um, there are different schools of thought in regard to this. I believe that the most biblical um, of the schools of thought is that much of the book of Revelation is still yet to come and still going to happen I would say that we are in a in a phase where at the end of the book of Matthew which is a wonderful eschatological section that our Lord gives us from chapter 24 verse 5 which really does fit into some of the Revelation time frame where he says from verse 6 he says and you are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars um, And just before this, he actually says verse 4, and Jesus said unto them, See to it that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. We had one of those earthquakes not too long ago here. Yeah, right here in,
0: yeah, in Boxburg, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. we...
1: We felt that for quite a while. Famine
0: Somalia, the wars in uh, Ukraine, Russia. You know, my
1: initial thought for that was that somebody was trying to break into my house, and then I realized, hold on a minute, there's something strange <laughs> about this one. Um, and then it says, for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom uh-huh. against kingdom. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. I think we are still in those birth pains. Uh, We are we are still in that phase, and that's why the book of First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, are such good books. Do we as men understand
0: what you've just said? Birth pains, yeah, birth pains. Do we even understand
1: it? Any man that's been with their wife in uh, the labour ward, I heard a a brother and sister were on air um, earlier on before us that were speaking about the birth of their son. Yeah. Uh, um, Joshua, I think his his name was, and how he was in ICU for like 14, 15 days, etc. I think we, we understand, you know, um, to a degree. I think that it's an illustration that gives us this idea that there's something coming, um, and <laughs> And this is what 2 Thessalonians is a fascinating book. It was written six months after 1 Thessalonians. And by that time, there'd been some false teachers that had arisen. And basically, these false teachers, because the persecution in Thessalonica had been ramped up. There was some more persecution towards Christians. And there were some that were arising and even pretending to to almost speak with a kind of an authority like the apostles. And they were saying, hey, the rapture's already happened. We've been left behind. We're inside of the tribulation period. And Paul, that was two thousand years yeah. ago. And yeah. Paul corrects them with regard to that. And basically he says, Well, keep on being Christians in your day. We're not yet out of the church age. So we are still in the church age. God has been merciful towards Gentiles, and we must keep on as the church preaching the gospel to the lost. We must keep on doing what the what the New Testament church has done, and that has been heralds and pilgrims in this earth, recognizing that this home or this place is not our home. We are going home. And even these bodies are just simply tents. There's a building that is prepared for us with God. And so we must take seriously the charge that we have as Christians to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's where we're at at this time. The rapture could happen tomorrow. It is imminent. Or it could happen in a thousand years' time. And we need to be those that are awake And we need to be those that are working. I believe that that is the biblical charge towards us in this day. Uh, There's been wars before. You can look back in history. Mm. The man of lawlessness, as far as what um, 2 Thessalonians teaches us, is ready to be revealed. But he doesn't know when that time is.
0: So somebody said the other day, plan if Jesus is coming in a thousand years, but live as if it's coming in the next ten minutes. That's
1: a very good statement. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, no, good statement. I'd I'd follow that. All right. Um we that's how we must live as Christians. And I do wonder to myself, what would be written about the church in South Africa? Should somebody be writing a history in a thousand oh, years' man. time? What will they say about us when they listen to our podcasts or when they listen to Skriftilik, if anybody ever does a, a follow-up of listening to Skriftilik. and um, you know what will, what will they say of us in our day? And I think that we must take courage as the church in our day to really stand firm upon God's word, to take God at His word, and then to be an influence to him uh, for him. And I think that as the church in South Africa, we really should be praying for revival, and and more than that. I believe if we're looking at the West, the West has already fallen. It's more than a post-Christian society. Yeah. It's if we're looking, I mean, eh? I've had some people that have been visiting Europe recently and man, they've sent some pictures back to me. Tourist attractions. Her- horrific, you no. know, horrific things of like t-shirts for children that says let's sacrifice Billy or whatever and let's 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 call up demons and it's mm. on children's T-shirts yeah. Yeah, and, and the worship of and the celebration of immorality that is mm-hmm. happening in our world yeah. is, is ridiculous. Days and, of Noah. And, and yes, and, and that's exactly actually, that's an excellent, excellent reference because just as the days of Noah were like, and you remember that Noah was preaching for 120 years before the flood happened. We may be in those last 120 years. We may be in those last 20 years. We may be in the last 10 years because we're not sure when the rapture will happen. We may be in the last few hours. We may be in the last few hours. And so our job is to be faithful to the Lord who has been faithful to us, keep on giving the gospel. And I think that Africa and South Africa in particular is going to play a huge role as far as when it comes to missions. We have received much from overseas, in particular from the USA. We have received much dollar and we've received many missionaries from the USA. And it's time for the church in South Africa to really rise up and to start to be a sending nation known. that yeah. starts to send missionaries back to the USA and missionaries back to the US, uh, to the Europe. UK, yeah. and to Europe. You just look at how dark things are there. Um, we should be sending missionaries to Russia and to Ukraine and to yeah. these places. And may the Lord do that with us. And so let's wow. prepare for for even that as a as a nation. I think that we mm-hmm. need to get going with having our oil lamps full oh, right. and continuing to be a blessing as far as the church.
0: Birth pangs, it's happening right around us and a sister answered me and says, only a woman who can deliver a baby without an epidural can come close to understanding how a man feels <laughs> who's got a cold. <laughs> so she says, men don't understand birth pangs. Yeah, but listen, women yeah. don't understand man flu,
1: I must say. <laughs> what it right. is actually, ladies, is that your husband's just Love attention, so just give them yeah, attention. Yeah. You
0: know? yeah, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. At um. all right. Uh, scriptural until uh, twelve o'clock this afternoon. In fact, uh, five two twelve. If you <clears throat> pardon me, if you've got a question, send it through to oh 2729 two six five seven two seven two nine oh Two seven two nine, and uh, we'll tackle those questions here in studio, right Uh, Ikasa says we've got to play music as well, my apologies that uh, we're going to uh, break up this very interesting uh, program with some music, but hey, music is a way of ministering to our hearts as well Keir Skrino there beautiful song, God will send his angels, Uh, 19 minutes to uh, 12 o'clock and you tune to script. Catholic, scriptural, and if you want to send in your question, you're welcome to do so. 082-657-2729. Neville Cocking, bless your heart, my brother. Thank you for listening to uh, Radio Pulpit and uh, listening to the program. Trust that you are blessed by what you hear, and you've sent in a question. You say, Paul saw a man from the third heaven. Second Corinthians 12 and verse 2. And then you simply say, "Please explain, Rocky. Yeah, what does the Word of God say with it?" Yeah, so it today? will
1: be good to start from verse one of uh, chapter twelve, and um, he says there, "It is necessary to boast, though it is not profitable." But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord, and so he's actually he starts off with this idea of so the main thought. Even verse six talks about, "For I do not, I do wish to boast." I will not be foolish. For, and in verse 5 he says, On behalf of such a man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except in weakness. And what he does is he gives this scene before us, and so that idea of boasting is there. But let me read the whole section. It is necessary to boast, there, though it is not profitable, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago Whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise, and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. On behalf of such a man I will boast, but on my behalf I will not boast, except in weakness." For if I do wish to boast I will not be foolish for I will be speaking the truth but I refrain from this so that no one will consider me beyond what he sees in me or hears from me. So Paul is teaching about this boasting and this not boasting etc but he's it's it's been well uh, argued that this is Paul speaking about himself and he's he's talking about this major thing that has happened and he talks of it in a very cloaked way, in order that he does not boast about this revelation, and he does not get drawn away from the the, the areas that even the church at second uh, the church at Corinth was needing at that time. And so he speaks about this. But what he what he talks about with this vision, um, and and I've been I mean the, we, we've been asked here to explain verse two in particular. And we can give a bit of insight in regard to this. It describes the scene of both, you know, where they they stand in and they, in a sense, Paul is, is showing that he, in Christ, knows of this individual. This idea of in Christ refers to this believer, not an unbeliever. And so this is a person that's in Christ. And he uses the third person. So there's this ambiguity that's there and it surrounds this experience that's occurring. And he's saying whether it's in the body or whether it's out of the body, I'm not too sure exactly. But then Paul mentions that this experience took place 14 years before the writing of this letter, which goes back to the time that Paul actually first came to the Lord. And so it's years before, even possibly where he was called to be an apostle, of the lord jesus because we know that for an apostle to be an apostle he must see jesus must be with jesus it would seem that much of the revelation that he received even first corinthians 11 that we talked about earlier he says i've delivered to you what i received myself from the lord even regarding the lord's supper paul was not at the lord's supper he was not at that last supper with jesus and his disciples he was one who was an apostle that was untimely born But it would seem that much of his revelation was received directly and possibly even within the context of this kind of a vision. And he speaks then also of being called up to the third heaven. Now, the third heaven is not something that we often talk about in our day or from our pulpits necessarily, and it's not necessarily explicitly defined within the Bible. So it's helpful to realize that there's no other place that we can now do a cross-reference and say, where does the Bible say third heaven in some other place? But in Jewish uh, cosmology, the concept of multiple heavens was present. And it's amazing that a question like this would come when we've been talking now about You know, where's this heaven waiting room, etc.? And so there's this idea of multiple heavens, a first heaven, a second heaven, and a third heaven in that sense. That's in Jewish
0: cosmology.
1: Yes, and the first heaven would have been like that Abraham's bosom. The second heaven would have been now kind of where we all are because of the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that kind of waiting room heaven as such. But the third heaven generally refers to the very dwelling place of God. So that element that we have right at the end of the book of Revelation where we will see him face to face, Revelation 22. Outside of time Um, fabric. Yeah, that's the very dwelling place of God, the very throne room of where God is. That's this idea of this third heaven. So it represents that, that highest and the most sacred realm beyond the physical and the earthly realm. And that's why Paul is saying, whether in the body, whether not in the body, it's like you can't even, man can't even speak about these things. And that's why he kind of cloaks what he's speaking about, even in the section. And so Paul mentions being caught up to that third heaven, and he implies this profound encounter with the divine presence. Now, even there, there's some warning, because many books in our book sh- on the bookshelf at uh, Kum Bookshop should not be read because they talk very flippantly about this idea of third heaven. And this person died and went to heaven and then they were 30 seconds with God or 50 seconds with... Please stay away from such nonsense because Paul even tells us here that you don't even talk about these types of things. Paul clouds a lot of this. And then Paul further adds that the things that he heard during this experience were inexpressible words. He's actually saying there's no words that I can really put to this. Like human words, yeah. human words can't even explain what has happened here, and he indicates that they were beyond human language as well as comprehension. So he explains that that he's not able to, and he's not even allowed to really share the specific details of what he heard. And perhaps because they were too extraordinary or because they weren't meant for him personally or maybe it wasn't meant for public disclosure. And so Paul gives us a taste of something of this. And then the passage serves even to highlight just Paul's own spiritual journey. And the fact that Paul now says, actually, all of that that I could boast about, I'm not going to boast about that. What I am going to boast about, I'm going to boast about the weakness That I have the fact that I'm in this flesh and that God in his mercy would still use a sinner like me to proclaim the glorious gospel. And what do I know? I know that Jesus Christ lived, that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again. And this is the most important fact. I could go on. I could, I could write a whole bunch of books about this third heaven experience. But what you need to know is that we proclaim Jesus and him crucified. And that's what man most, most needs. And then he goes on from verse 7 to verse 10 where he speaks about the thorn in his flesh. So he continues to show the fact that he's actually got this weakness. And what will he boast about? He'll boast about the fact that God is strong. Even though he is weak as an individual, even yeah. though he can't properly explain these things, yeah. you know, and um, and then he, from verse eleven until verse, uh, I think it is verse twenty-one, he he speaks about his concern for the for the Corinthian church. He even yeah. starts in verse eleven. He says, "I have become foolish. You yourselves compelled me, for I ought to have been comm- commended by you, for in no respect was I inferior to the most enli- enlightened." Um, eminent apostles, even if I am nothing. So he's actually giving this defense of his apostleship to this church that was starting to possibly even disdain him or put him aside in that sense. And he says the signs of a true apostle were working out among you with all prevalence, but by signs and wonders and miracles. For in this respect were you treated as less than the rest of the churches except that I myself did not become a burden to you. Forgive me of this wrong. Like saying I didn't even take your money from you please forgive me for not taking money from you church and he continues he says here for the third time I'm ready to come to you and I will be, will not be a burden to you for I do not seek what is yours but you for uh, for children ought not to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. And so he continues to to just exhort them and work with them and, Mm. and speak to them. And he says, I'm afraid that when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, in verse 21. And I may mourn over many of those that have sinned in the past and not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality and sensuality which they have practiced. And then he speaks in, in chapter 13, and we spoke about this a little bit earlier on, about examining yourself. And he says, examine yourselves. And and so it builds up in this, in this precipice. But from that verse in verse 2, I believe it is Paul speaking about himself. He's giving us something of the grandeur of his call to ministry 13 what a humble years man. before.
0: What incredible but he's evangelist.
1: actually saying, I'm not going to make a boast about any yeah. of that stuff what I will boast about is I'm really weak. And then he even explains that thorn Set, in his flesh. Setting
0: an example for ourselves as well, that we as Christians, the moment that we touch God's glory or take away mm. from his glory, we should uh, actually stop, shut up, and humble ourselves before the Lord. Take a note out of uh, Paul's book, uh, so to speak. Neville Cocking, hope uh, it makes sense to you. Thank you so much for taking part in the program. Rocky, we've got three minutes left in this program, and uh, we got a a question from somebody, let me see if I can find it here, uh, die persoon is sê so, en uh, dit is uh, Mrs. Van Skalkwek, ek wil hom net gauw gau hier so opmaak, sê sê, daar so sit hy, kan a profeet op a begrafnis profiteer? Is dit skriftlik? Can a profeet by a, a, a begrafnis profiteer? Is dit schrift And I've put it up there for you. Rocky, in closing, I don't know if we have enough time. What do we answer, Mrs. Um So, I have, I
1: have quite strong Views on in regard to a modern day prophets, ah, my um, brother.
0: But I would like to ask you, what does the word of say, God say?
1: Yes, and the word of God itself, um, would, would uphold those views as far as First Corinthians chapter 12. If somebody is not saying that which is biblical and can be backed up by a Bible and by a chapter and verse, that individual should rather keep quiet, all right. And the apostle Paul even commends the Bereans in that regard. When I mean, we see that in I think it's uh, Acts chapter 14, I believe, if I, if I stand corrected, but he, he speaks about the Bereans being noble-minded because yeah. they searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. And so what I would, what I would recommend is is rather look to chapter and verse. And be careful that what is said is actually uh, biblical. The Bible also does say that it is better to be in the house of mourning than what it is to be in the house of feasting. There's much at a funeral to actually um, to to really reflect upon, and there, there's a I think a, a special moment for the church to even think through what what is said, you know, and and or, or or to think through what the Bible would say in regard to the life and the death of an individual. So I do think that there's, there's a fitting time to what I would say fourth uh, tell from God's word. There is a prophetic sense when somebody says, "Thus says the Lord," and they can quote chapter and verse in the context of that chapter and verse and that's another important point is we do not take God's word out of context if we do that we do the same thing that satan does satan takes God's word out of context and he makes it say something else so i would i would be very cautious in regard to somebody uh, prophesying at a funeral i've led a lot of funeral messages and i have at times even asked people not to say something um, and to rather you know um, keep it to themselves uh, there, there are times where we would open the floor towards family members to speak, etc. And, and I do think that people are moved with a much emotion as well. The passage that I, I spoke about with better in the House of Mourning than, than in the... The house of feasting is Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2. So I do think there's much that we can learn at a funeral. But it's a good place to really preach about the gospel. Even what we were talking about earlier with um, those that will go to a waiting room heaven and a waiting room hell. You know, you're know, either going to be somebody who dies once um, and is born twice. Or you're going to be a person that's born once and died twice. Because there is a second death. And funerals are not there for the dead. They're there for the living. So I would do... Very much a prophetic kind of a ministry when I get up and I preach god 's word at a funeral, but when when it comes to some kind of like a foretelling um, or fortune telling as such, I would say that we need to be very very careful um, god 's word doesn't open up that door uh, for us.
0: Rocky, thank you so much for that time has caught up with us. Can you believe it? Uh, 55 minutes down the tube in all eternity, never to be repeated ever again. However, the good news is you can go listen to this podcast afterwards. And then we have been podcasting faithfully from December ever since the Let's Talk inserts as well that uh, Pastor Rocky presents here on Radio Pulpit, quarter past eight in the morning until half past nine. You can go and find that as well. And uh, that's the Let's Talks the uh, scripture You know what, there's a responsibility with listening to a program like this. It's good to listen to Rocky and Vynant and Radio Pulpit and your pastor and your minister. Acts 17.11 says, Mm. now go and search the scriptures yourself. To see if these things are mm. so. Go and do a study. Go and make a study and search the scriptures yourself. Rocky, somebody wants that's to write it, you? Eh?
1: That's, that's the reference. So I was wrong earlier with the Acts. I think I said Acts 14 earlier. So you, you've corrected me there nicely. Acts 17, verse 11. That's, yeah. the, that's the passage where the Bereans were no, more noble-minded than the Thessalonians. They. Search the scriptures with the Apostle Paul. And that's what we do even with that funeral service. Search the scriptures. When somebody gets up and says something and they say, thus says the Lord, then you make sure this is what God really says.
0: Right. And if it's on Amazon and New York bestseller, stay clear of it. There's one book, The Highest Authority Known to Mankind. It is known as the Bible. Amen. Basic instruction before living eternally. You can never say you did not know you did not hear, you did not see. Playing out with Sinach, Waymaker. He is the Waymaker. The Amen. truth, the way, the life, our Lord and Savior. Rocky, somebody wants to write you an email?
1: Yeah, welcome to do that. Pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za Until
0: next time, keep well. God bless you. Shalom.